0: Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And this week, we are starting a new three-week series on chaplaincy ministry at Beeson. Thanks to the generosity of good friends of our school, we now have a chaplaincy emphasis at Beeson aimed at preparing men and women for chaplaincy ministry. This emphasis includes a recommended track of study within the Master of Divinity program or the MDiv program, vocational guidance and enrichment, access to chaplain networks and scholarship funding. Chaplains provide a much-needed gospel witness and Christian care and counsel in many of life's most critical times and places. If you or someone you know feels called to chaplaincy ministry, we hope you'll consider Beeson and learn more about this chaplaincy emphasis. Kristen, do we have a chaplain on the show with us today?
1: We do, and we actually have someone who I was in school with at Beeson many years ago. Our guest today is the very Reverend Kaylin Clay. He is the Provost and Dean of the Special Jurisdiction of the Armed Forces and Chaplaincy for the Anglican Church in North America and is the Squadron Chaplain at Destroyer Squadron 2. Lieutenant Commander is currently deployed aboard USS San Jacinto, and I think this is our first guest who is calling us from the sea. So um, welcome, Kaylin, to the Beeson Podcast.
2: Thank you, Kristen, and thank you, Dean Sweeney. It's just such a privilege and honor to uh, be with
1: you today. Well, we're so grateful that uh, we could spend these few minutes with you. And I forgot to mention, which is very important, that you are married um, to Ashley, and you have three children with one on the way due in August. So, congratulations, Kaylin.
2: Yes, we're very excited. It's, uh, it, it is a, a growing family, even in this age. <laughs>
1: Well, um, we're like I said, we um, want to talk to you today about uh, the Ministry of Chaplains, but um, before we do, we always like to begin getting to know our podcast guest a little bit better. So why don't you tell us where you are from, um, anything that you want to share about your family, um, your spiritual journey, um, anything that would help us to get to know you better?
2: Sure. Yeah, so I'm originally from Ohio, and married to my lovely wife, Ashley, and we have been married for almost 12 years. And we have three little ones, Oliver, is six, Charlotte, is five, Margaret, who's 20 months, and we have a baby that's going to be born in early August. Um, so we are a growing family, and uh, God is blessing us, and uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, with these little little munchkins around. But the past few years have been pretty pretty busy. Um, I'm currently serving in the Sewer Squadron 2, serving as the chaplain there, uh, where I provide supervisory support to four different chaplains currently um, with uh, over five command religious programs. And right now we have four ships, um, but that fluctuates quite frequently. Uh, We've had as much as eight ships since I've been there. Um, And so four ships, just to give you a, a, a an understanding um, it's about 1,200 sailors, so there's a lot of uh, lot of sailors going to be ministering to uh, for four or five chaplains. Uh, I'm currently filling a gap for it right now. Actually, I'm on the USS San Jacinto, and uh, we are deployed. So, um, and this has been actually the second deployment uh, in 2021. So it's been a very busy season, uh, but it's also been very exciting and. Uh, You're certainly sensing uh, the the Lord's presence, both uh, in my family
0: and uh, in the ministry. Kaylin, it sure is good to have you on, and it really is exciting to talk about you while you were out at sea. I'm sure I don't have to tell you that there are a lot of people who wind up in chaplaincy ministry who didn't know they were going to wind up in chaplaincy ministry at the beginning uh, of their sense that God was calling them into ministry, generally speaking. And uh, part of what we want to do with this episode and this series is help people who are trying to discern God's will for them, trying to discern whether maybe the Lord has chaplaincy ministry for them. And so we thought we'd ask you just a little bit about that part of your story. How did you figure out that the Lord wanted you to go into chaplaincy ministry? You know, what attracted you into it, and maybe what attracted you into the Navy in particular?
2: Okay, um... Well, you know, really, it, it starts with God really got a hold of my heart and uh, just transformed my loves in my life. Uh, I, I I wasn't uh, interested in the military at first. It was really just God got a hold of my heart, and uh, I became passionate about studying God's Word and passionate about serving in God's church. Uh, it was really only later that I began to be exposed to the ministry of chaplaincy. Um, But first, it was that passion of God's Word and His Church, wanting to serve in His Church, that really led me to college and eventually led me to be sin. But it was also this passion that later on persuaded me to pursue maybe chaplaincy. I remember thinking to myself, what better way to serve people with the gospel of Jesus Christ than when, when they're confronted with crisis. I'll be in war, death, deployments, and estrangements of all kinds. So, that was really the, the draw, is to minister in crisis. Uh, I also think that there was a bit of a subconscious draw, um, if I could put it that way. My grandfather was a Marine, and he was a Marine in World War II. And while he I never really remember him speaking of it, of his experience, only one time, and that wasn't really in a positive light. But I always did respect my grandpa for the sacrifice that he made for our beloved freedom. And just as the gospel sent me to, to, serve, to, to serve the Lord, uh, I think my grandfather's hellish deployments: on Guadalcanal, Terrellau, the Solomon Islands, and Okinawa, gave me a grateful cause to serve others through the profession of arms. So I think those are some, some reasons that, that kind of drew me into the ministry. Fundamentally, um, it was God really getting ahead of my heart and giving me a love for His Word and for His Church. Um, but also, I've had people in my life that have really fanned the flame of the gift of God, this love. And that's been friends throughout the throughout uh, friends and mentors, uh, throughout my life, uh, in college and in seminary. And you know, I have to mention one of those persons is actually one of the professors there at Beaston, who's recently retired, and that was Lyle Dorsett, who had a significant influence on me. And uh I don't think I'm not sure that I would be here today actually if it wasn't for Lyle.
1: Thank you, Kaylin. Um for those who are listening, who just heard you talk about your heart for chaplaincy and and how he drew you to the military, I wonder if you can explain uh, for them what military chaplaincy ministry looks like. Um, what what kind of ministry does a, a military chaplain do? Uh, is it different when you're stateside versus being deployed? And I guess what kind of challenges um, do chaplains face um, as they're ministering to others at times of uh, crisis?
2: Yeah, so the, the military chaplaincy is, is busy. Um, it's, uh, it definitely requires discipline um, to manage uh, the, the various meeting parts, the busy schedules, uh and uh, and it, it requires that, as well, just to to practice being a chaplain in this demanding environment. Uh, so, wherever a chaplain goes, he's essentially planning a worshiping community of things, particularly when it's in the operational environment. And so, this requires things like populating the plan of the day and, uh, with a variety of events, uh, coordinating outreach activities and events. Uh, you're, you're bringing a, a group together, uh, you're establishing a worshiping community, and so certainly managing and prioritizing the chaplain's mission uh, to fulfill the core competencies. In the Navy, there are four core competencies that, every, that, a, that a chaplain is to fulfill, and that, number one, is providing his own faith tradition. And so that's it is significant that the chaplain practices are in their faith, and we should trust that the organization has us in this particular place to do that. So I'm here on Sandy Central to be an Anglican priest, and uh, no one can force me to do anything with that. That is why I'm here. But we're also here to facilitate the free exercise of religion. So there's a the provision piece, but there's also the the facilitation piece, uh, and that's important as well, and this is where we help uh, sailors with resources that have space so that they can practice their faith. Uh, and then also we're here to, to um, make sure that uh, all people are cared for in this webinar, uh, and that in itself also requires that discipline piece of managing your work hours and your schedule so that you can ensure that uh, the sailors are adequate, adequately cared for. Uh, and then lastly, a captain must, must have a professional knowledge um, with, with regards to policy and doctrine, but also have that relational bandwidth to advise the commander. On all matters pertaining to spirituality or religion or ethics, morals, or, or the crew's morale. So that's a bit of a mouthful there, but uh, there is a certain amount of professional knowledge. But there's also the relationship piece that's really important. And and so let me speak to that just for a second. Um, and I just mentioned the the discipline piece essentially that's required with managing. Your schedule so that you can ensure that you are providing, facilitating, caring, and advising effectively. But also, chaplains need to really be relational. Uh, While a chaplain's religious service belongs to an ecclesiastical endorsing agent, the command religious program belongs to the commanding officer. So everywhere chaplain goes, everywhere chaplain serves, uh, he will be responsible of the command religious program. This means that chaplains must uh, that, that, that this means that chaplains must know the commander's intent. Additionally, as a staff member, chaplains must be engaged with the staff because they must have relationships not only with the commander and the executive officer and the command master chief, but they must have good relationships with the staff as well, so that the ministry essentially can flourish. So it's important for the chaplain to balance kinds of her schedule, um, both relating to the triad, which is the command master chief, the executive officer, and the commanding officer, um, as well as with the wardroom, which is the officers, um, but also to, to have that relationship with the crew. So chaplains must always be professional, but they also must realize that their profession, what their profession actually is. This is an important point, I think, but experience... I've learned just through experience. Uh, unlike other officers, a chaplain's profession is not limited to the Navy, but is the religious organization for which they're borrowed. And this is important for ensuring that chaplains are able to agree balance, having that robust relationships with the entirety of the crew, and not just a select few. So both being disciplined is incredibly important for managing uh, the various different meetings uh, and responsibilities of the chaplain, but also um, managing those relationships, because that's also very important for the ministry of chaplaincy.
0: Reverend Clay, just real quick, you know, we're still all talking about the COVID epidemic here stateside, and uh, it it makes me wonder what difference COVID makes in your ministry uh, on a ship out at sea. Uh, are there strict COVID protocols in place still there? Does it uh, hamper your ministry in any way? Here at Beeson and at Sanford, the numbers are going down pretty dramatically, and we're about to ease up on some of our protocols. But I wonder, uh, how has COVID affected the work that you do uh, with the sailors?
2: Well, COVID certainly has, has had a significant impact on the Navy. Um, many people join the Navy to see the world, and, uh, and certainly COVID has has uh, hindered that, um, but also I think the mitigating measures have, have had a, just as probably more of an impact on the Navy, just involved with the mitigating measures, and It certainly greatly increased the weight of the burden that men and women of the professional arms carry, uh, whether that be operational, professionally, or, or even personally, and an example of this uh, was last deployment on the ship, actually at zero port calls um, despite having 206 days at sea. So that's a significant time to be at sea and to not have a port call. So but there's of examples, actually, of how COVID has really affected, um, uh, and, the, and the mitigating measures as well, has affected just the burden, the significant burden that uh, sailors and Marines carry. Um... It's certainly, it's not limited my work as a chaplain. I I think that it's actually, it's made me more busy. In a way, I think it's probably easier for a chaplain during this time than a local church pastor. Um, And I think part of that is because the Navy has uh, largely been, uh, not had a significant risk statistically. uh, Many of the, the people in the Navy are young. It's not been as affected by COVID, both uh, in terms of a, uh, uh, you know health-wise, um, but also because the um, the risk mitigating measures of the flock for which I shepherd oftentimes already executed by the time it gets to me. So, um, in many ways, um, I've had a very robust ministry uh, during the COVID period. I pretty much in an operational command since COVID has existed, and um, I've really just sought to be faithful um, in the ministry of, uh, that's exemplified in Acts where uh, the Church devoted itself to apostolic teaching, the breaking of blood, the fellowship, fellowship, and the prayers. Um, and so, and at the same time, I've really sought to provide uh, comfort and connection for those who are personally affected uh, by COVID. Another another way that I've been able to minister uh, with in, related, in relation to COVID um, particularly is by partnering with, with other chaplains. Uh, recently, I, I partnered with a fellow Anglican brother, a Navy chaplain, to write and publish in the, uh, the Jurisdiction Archives and the Chaplaincy Journal. Uh, and the article is titled "After a Perspective for a Pandemic" from the Book of Homilies, an exhortation against the fear of death. And this article can be found on the Anglican Chaplain's website. And this was a, a very rich and rewarding experience for me and John, my friend, who is an Anglican priest and chaplain. Uh, and I often try to point others to draw upon the English Reformational resources. I think that there is a wealth of wisdom there, and comfort, and and, uh, and encouragement, uh, and so I I sought to do that, and because I believe that it can provide some clarity and comfort to them, especially at this time where it is just filled with confusion and
1: chaos. Reverend Clay, that's a nice um, segue into asking you to uh, share a little bit about grief that chaplains experience while they are serving. Um, I know that you've given thought to this and um, have written a poem called A Chaplain's Lament and Lesson. Um, I would like you to read the poem for our listeners, if you would. Um, but also, I wonder, before you do, if you can address um, the grief that chaplains uh, face personally as they're serving in the military.
2: Um Yeah. I'll start by saying that uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote this poem. Um, I was a student at the War College in Newport, Rhode Island, and uh, I was taking a class uh, titled "Leadership in War" through the humanities. In this course, we read uh, a number of, of literature, just a great volume of literature, and reflected on these various pieces of literature uh, concerning a variety of wars. Uh, and it was actually greatly moving, and I think it kind of under, uncovered some grief that I had experienced throughout the years. And so I, uh, I wrote this poem, and I titled it A Chaplain's Lament and Lesson." And just to give you a little bit of a backdrop, it's, I, I think the grief that chaplains experience is not just the death and the disturbing aspects, which they certainly are great. One of the significant things about a chaplain is. We have confidentiality, and so we, we, there's a lot of sailors that come to us, and they show a lot of a lot of disturbing issues that we've experienced with the past and present. Um, but another challenging thing that is often not talked about is the transit ministry shock and so This is a real challenge, and I've personally, in the past 13 years, I've moved about nine or ten times since I've been in active duty ministry. And when you, uh, when you couple this with experiencing trauma and uh, some real challenges, um, it becomes really difficult. And uh, and for a chaplain to, to I think, even recover through some of these things. A lot of times the hearing process takes place organically, uh, simply by hearing the mention of a person's name, the chaplains don't have that privilege <laughs> because we're oftentimes sent to another command. And uh, we don't have that organic community where we can heal with them, especially when we experience some real difficulties and trauma. Um, so I would like to, um, yeah, just share this poem with you. It's called A Chaplain's Lamenting Lesson. I remember not why I'm so distressed. Years the past of those who I've laid to rest. Breaking bread, listening ear, burial, right, and sermon. I am here, they are there, Where is the dew from Herman? There is a grief of chaplaincy that longs for something more, one Lord and faith, and baptism, together we adore. Growing and knowing the Lord above is every pastor's calling, but to do it alone and by myself is not my heartfelt longing. There is a vision in humanity of another shore, that has no death, no loss, no grief, It knows nothing of war, if there is one thing that I would say to the next generation, learn to grieve in this life, make it not an aberration. If you do not grieve, you will never know, the abundant comfort of our Lord for which he longs to show. But when you mourn our maiden trite, the dawn outshines the darkness night, His spirit seals and promises you, gives power of hope and joy too. In this life, one thing is sure. You
0: were created. There's so much more. Amen. That's a wonderful poem. Thank you, Kaitlyn. And, you know, we're pleased to say that you are an alumnus of Beeson Divinity School. Uh, we're very proud of you and the work that you're doing in the service of the Lord and the service of your country. And uh, I wonder if I could get you just for a moment to reflect on the time you had here at Beeson and share with our listeners a little bit. We've got. Some alumni listening right now, we have some uh, people who send us students listening right now, and I know for sure we have some prospective students wondering about Beeson, wondering about chaplaincy ministry. What do you have to say to them about the difference that your time here at Beeson Divinity School has made in your own life and ministry? Yes,
2: uh, Beeson had just a, just a great impact on me. If I could do it all over again, I would uh, I would attend to Beeson. Uh, it was just a wonderful experience, whether, whether it be uh, the curriculum, uh, the, the exegetical and expeditional work that I was able to focus on and during that significant time in my life. It uh, a special time, and I think it's given me a great role to draw from. Also, the historical the and theological spin is something that I've really grown to appreciate. Having that uh, has also been giving me a clear vision, you know, for the issues of today and um, and helping me to interpret those those issues, uh, just from a historical lens. And then I, I would also say the pastoral the pastoral vision of Beeson has certainly shake me. I I think that when I when I was a student actually at Beef I Um, I would go off in the summer. I was a chaplain candidate while I was a student. I would go off and I would do on-the-job trains with the Navy. And um, I quickly learned that how busy chaplains can be and how easy it is to be undisciplined in the practice of preaching. And so I made my mind up, and uh, this was in 2006, that I wanted to be a chaplain who preached, and that, I, I think, was part of Beeson's uh, contribution. I have, you know, I have sought to, to be a chaplain who preaches, and I think that chaplaincy has profoundly impacted my ability to preach, actually. It's helped me to, to preach clearly and simply. Um, I can't assume that my flock has been discipled or catechized, so I have to preach clearly and simply, and it's also helped me to preach lovingly and passionately. By living with sailors, it's forced me to see beyond their ugliness and their simple ways, and by so doing, it's enhanced my prayer life. So I'm praying for myself, praying for these sailors, and and preaching passionately for them as well. And then I can also think of a number of people that have greatly impacted me at these. Uh and there's really too many names to even mentioned. But uh let me just say Frank Fieldman uh had a great impact on me. I took several exegesis courses. Uh, I was never a great Greek student, I confess, but uh I certainly took as many as like, I many classes I could with them. Uh, he was a, uh, a great influence in me, and Gerald Gray uh, has guided me throughout the years. I took a, a lay academy class, actually, with, um, along with other, actually, seminary classes, but uh, there was a lay academy, academy class, the Anglican tradition, actually, which was significant in me, and uh, I truly am sitting on shoulders of giants, and it has given me... As a young man in the Anglican tradition, he given me a clear vision uh, and uh, conviction uh, of, church, of my churchmanship, and I'm very thankful for that. Lyle Derset was a pastor to me. I served with Christ the King there when they were meeting at Nathan, and Lyle uh, has been just a voice in my life throughout the years, and uh, to this day... I just remember him always emphasizing never be too busy to pray with people. And to this day, you know, whether I'm in the keyways and the ship or uh, in the office ashore, uh, you know, I I try to practice praying with people, not being too busy to pray with them. But Timothy George as well. Uh, I took the, uh, the Institute of Christian Religion and walked through Calvin's Institutes uh, and uh, journaled too much of it. And that had a significant impact on me. Uh, so there's been so much of these things that has uh, really greatly influenced me and has affected and shaped, I think, who I am today, uh, deeply indebted, very thankful. Um, I think as I look throughout my life and I see what God has done, Uh, I am just deeply indebted to the Lord, and I'm indebted to um, the friends that I come come across. Um, And many of those friends actually are uh, at
1: these. Kaylin, we always like to end the show by hearing what the Lord is doing in our guest's life, what the Lord is teaching you. So can you end our show today by sharing with us um, what the Lord has been teaching you these days as a way to encourage and edify our listeners?
2: Yes, uh, this has been one of the most challenging seasons in in my life, actually. Uh, It's been a very busy time. Uh, And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I I deployed twice in 2021, and I'm still deployed. This is my sixth deployment. Uh, I'm very thankful for these deployments. Though um, these deployments give me confidence that the gospel is going forth, that God is being glorified, that lives are being changed. And wasn't for the deployments, I wouldn't still be a chaplain. So this is the heartbeat of the ministry. Uh, and I, as I look back, I just am um, deeply thankful for these, for these many deployments. Uh, and wonderful opportunities of ministry uh, that I've had, whether it's being, being able to uh, lead people to Christ or to baptize those, uh, like I just did on Christmas, this, this, uh, this, this Christmas, on Christmas Day. Uh, a guy that did not even know anything about the Christian faith, I was able to lead him to the Lord, and, and then such a joy, and to baptize him, on Christmas Day and give him his first communion. So it was an absolute joy. But I would say that what God is teaching me at this season right now is uh, that I'm his son. As i mentioned, this has been quite a trying time, despite the challenges and the difficulty. I'm his son. And um, there's, uh, there's no need to worry. There's no need to be filled with anxiety. But on the sun. He's been teaching me also to rest. I think that goes hand in hand. Uh, recently we've been walking through in Sunday school on the ship with Ten Commandments, and uh, we recently looked at the Fourth Commandment, and that's to rest. And uh, it's it's hard to know that God works for us if we never rest. And so, resting in the Lord and knowing that he is my Father and that I have his Son, and uh, being joyful uh, in the sufferings that we experience because that
0: joins us to Christ, to the intimacy uh, of our Lord and Savior. Amen, and thank you, Kaelin, for your faithfulness to the Lord and your perseverance in ministry uh, through all these deployments. Uh, what a wonderful servant of the Lord you have been. We've been listening to the very Reverend Kalen Clay. He is the provost and dean of the Special Jurisdiction of the Armed Forces and Chaplaincy for the Anglican Church in North America and is the squadron chaplain at Destroyer Squadron 2. He is currently deployed on the high seas. We thank him for this gift of time. We thank you for tuning in and we say goodbye for now.